We're rolling. Snoring. <laughs> so we have our producer, the D-Baby, says we're rolling. And our producer number two, little Austin, who is now six weeks old, making his second appearance on the road to Paris. He's snoring through this one, so you guys do not get the treat of our second up-and-coming producer. This is the sixth episode of The Road to Paris. This one is recapping the Ostrava Elite 16, one of the coolest venues in the entire sport. If you watch the finals, you heard Anders Moll just lavishing praise on the Czech Republic, the venue. It's in a retired steel mill, one of the coolest places to play beach volleyball. I was on the mic just for the first two days, which explains why I'm wearing a Boise State Broncos hat. Went out to Boise, Idaho for a little flight school with Chase Frischman, Troy Field, and Taylor Crabb. Awesome crowd out there in Boise. Fun to work with the campers. Chase is doing a lot of fun stuff. So before I got into the Olympic race, just wanted to give a huge shout out to Boise State, Idaho Beach, the whole nine. You guys were fantastic. Love seeing all these little pockets of beach volleyball fans, be it in Boise, Idaho, more than just a potato state, down to a retired steel mill in, in the Czech Republic. Now, in the Czech Republic, it was a huge weekend. For the United States and the biggest winner of the weekend has to go to my guys Andy Benish and Miles Partain. If you missed our episode with Miles Partain, you can click on this link. If you're listening, you can't click on that link. But we had him on the podcast a couple weeks ago. It was phenomenal. Our most listened to podcast of the year. They won a huge, huge, huge bronze medal in the Elite 16. Prior to Ostrava, we had had 13 either Elite 16s or World Champs, so 12 Elite 16s plus World Champs. The American men had never won a medal. Miles Partain, Andy Benish, they changed that. They came out of the qualifier, had no business making it out. If you guys did not watch their final round of the qualifier with Estonia's Martisar and Kusti Novak, please do. Craziest third set I've seen in my life. Miles and Andy take an 11-8 lead in the third set. And then go down 14-11, a 6-0 run. And then somehow they tie it up at 14 apiece, survive a couple match points. Miles gets a float serve ace for the win. Craziest third set I've ever seen. High on the stress meter. End up qualifying. So they barely had any business qualifying. Then they hardly had any business breaking pool. They needed help from Germany's Nils Ellers and Clemens Wickler to beat Chile's Grimalt cousins, Marco and Esteban. They got that help, and then they beat an absolute murderer's row. They beat Bartosz Wosiak and Michael Brill of Poland, 2019-2019. Then they had the matchup that the world's long been waiting for, the Swedish jump setters, David Amon and Jonathan Helvig. The two most trailblazing styles in beach volleyball are Miles Partain and Andy Benish in Sweden. It was a short-lived match. Andy and Miles won the first set, 21-18. They kind of controlled it, but then Helvig, it looked like he re-injured that right hand that kept him out of world champs that ended up giving Triborn and Trevor Crabb the slot into world champs last year. I don't know what the diagnosis is with Helvig, so I'm not going to speculate, but it looked like he injured that right hand again. Andy and Miles ended up getting a forfeit in that second set, moving into the semifinals where they challenged Qatar, Sharif, and Ahmed Tijan. Uh, more on them in a bit. Lost in three. And then they beat Andre Perisic and David Schweiner, the home team that they got whacked by in pool play. Schweiner and Perisic had made three straight finals in Ostrava. They were coming off a gold medal in Uberlandia. And Miles and Andy absolutely handled them. The, the bronze medal match, it, Miles and Andy just looked like the better team. It was the first American men's medal in an Elite 16 since Volleyball World took over the tour. 
Huge for Miles and Andy. And now as far as the Olympic race go, they just have three finishes. So technically they're down in the Olympic race. They're just number 18 in the rankings. But their average point finish per event is 760 points. Triborn and Trevor, or Triborn, I still mix that up. It's not Tri and Trevor anymore. It's Triborn and Came Shock. They have the second high, highest average among the American men at 492 per event. Trevor Crabb and Theo Bruner have 484. I've been talking with Taylor Crabb, Theo Bruner, a bunch of guys about what we think the average finish you're going to need for your best 12 of the Olympic race. And we all figure that 600 points per event is probably going to be the number. So right now, Miles and Andy are at 760 per event, which is the equivalent of a fifth in an Elite 16. So they are in excellent shape, finally got a medal for the American men in an Elite 16. And bigger than that is that's going to now put their entry points in a position where they should be in the main draw of Stad. So once you're in the main draw of those Elite 16s, you're sitting pretty because those qualifiers, as you can see from the teams who didn't make it out, like George and Andre, Sam Kotafava and Paolo Nikolai, they are brutal. So huge, huge, huge bronze medal for Miles Partain and Andy Benish. I'm going to keep going with the men. Uh, second biggest winners of the weekend, Sharif Samba and Ahmed Tijan from Qatar. It's good to see them back on the world tour. When I was listening to the broadcast, Damien Schumann, phenomenal commentator, love listening to him and his Australian accent. It is just delightful. He was mentioning that there was some kind of injury to the Qataris, so we haven't seen them a ton this season. We saw them in Doha, and we saw them in Tepic, and that's it. They've just played two events so far this year, so it's been a couple months since we've seen them. They looked quite healthy. They ended up taking a silver medal. But again, just speaking to the depth of the Beach Pro Tour, they needed help to break pool play. They went just one and two, squeaked out of pool, and then ended up running all the way to the gold medal match where they fell in a very, very well-played gold medal match too. Who else? Anders Moll and Christian Sorum and their gold medal match vaulted them to right to where they belong. They are now the number one team in the Olympic rankings. As I mentioned, almost every time we do one of these Road to Paris, not going to talk a ton about Anders and Christian. Their play on the court speaks enough. They are now number one in the Olympic ranks. Sweden is number two. The last big winner for the men, well, really not a, a big winner here, but just interesting storylines, is the Brazilian men's race. It's getting interesting. So I had George and Andre at the beginning of this Olympic qualification cycle, I had them qualifying, no problem. But now they are not quite struggle bus, but with how fast these events turn over, where the entry points are based on your best three out of your last four finishes, their gold medal in Itapema seems eons ago. And it was really just a couple of events ago, but George and Andre have struggled in elite 16s. They didn't make it out of the qualifier in Tepic. Didn't make it out of the qualifier again in Ostrava. Didn't have a great event in Uberlandia. And so their points are still solid. And I'm not overly concerned about them. But I thought it would be George and Andre way ahead. And then it would be Evandro and Arthur battling it out with Hanato Lima and Vitor Philippe. Hanato and Vitor finally showing signs of life again. They beat George and Andre in the qualifier. Ended up taking a ninth. So still not a, a great finish but a decent one. They'd been struggling this season, a little bit of a struggle bus for Hinato and Vitor, and really they hadn't been great since taking that silver medal in last year's World Championships. They've got signs of life, as does Evandro and Arthur Mariano. Evandro and Arthur, King, young King Arthur is what I call him on the podcast. They've been playing fantastic. They won a gold medal in Sakurima, ended up coming out of the qualifier, qualifying again. 
whacking Chase Budinger and Miles Evans 21-10, 21-16, and then they beat Sam Kodafava and Paolo Nikolai. Still, in my mind, one of the top five teams in the world. They won a gold medal in Elite 16 Yermala last year, and now they're back in the qualifiers and not making it out. So Vandro and Arthur are playing some fantastic beach volleyball. Went to three with Qatar, uh, ended up losing that one, but they're in good shape. So now that Brazilian men's race is really, it's very interesting, far more interesting than I figured it would have been. As far as Pedro and Guto go, they've now played in two events. I'm not buying. I don't think that they are a long-term team for the Olympic race. Could very well be wrong. I'm wrong about things all the time. But once Guto's fifth place finish at last year's World Champs, once that washes out and they get back into the qualifiers for elites, which they're on track to do unless they get a very big finish soon. I don't think that that's a long-term solution. I think that Pedro, as good as he is, as phenomenal as he has been throughout the years, the, the decades really in this sport, I just don't think he has the endurance to sustain a full Olympic run. We have 12 months remaining in this Olympic race. So last Olympic quad ended in Ostrava. The schedule for 2024 is not yet out yet, but the Ostrava stop and Stad have remained on the same weekends every year. And so June 9th is the cutoff for the Olympic race in 2024. Ostrava should be the final stop. So a year from now, the Olympic race will be over 12 months to go. The last two big stories for the men. The Dutch men's race is also getting very interesting because Alex Brouwer and Robbie Musen, they haven't gotten on the podium Yet this season, they have taken a fifth, a fifth, and they just took a 13th uh, in Ostrava. And so that is likely going to put them back into the qualifier for Stad, potentially. I don't know for sure, but it's possible they're back in the qualifiers. And as we've seen, when you're in the qualifiers, anything can happen. Shit hits the fan. And so Alex Brown and Robbie Musen, they're not as dominant in that Dutch race as I thought they might be. Stefan Bormans and York de Groot did not play in Ostrava. They are back on the entry list for the Yermala Challenge later this month, and they are back on the entry list for the Stad Elite 16 in July. Then you have Matthew Immers and Steven Vandeveld. They lost in the first round of the qualifier, which is big for the other Dutch teams. They lost to Moritz Pristals and Robin Seidel, who just can't seem to break through that last round of the qualifier. They're just knocking on the door, knocking on the door, and every time they seem to knock on that door, an American team closes them out. In Tepic, it was Triborn and Came Shock who closed them out in a thrilling three-set battle. In Ostrava, it was Trevor Crabb and Theo Bruner. Trevor called it a useless qualification because unless you break pool and make a good run in the Elite 16, the points just aren't good enough to really move you up in the entry and the points aren't good enough where it's really going to be a useful finish in the Olympic race. Now, I think splitting five grand, getting a main draw finish, getting those matches in, getting better points than Try and Came did, I think that's more than useless. And especially it's not a useless tournament because they won that first battle of the X's. I was talking with Adam Roberts about that, that every time a battle of the X's happens, it always seems to be the guys who got dumped that win at least that first battle. And Trevor and Theo looked great. They kind of whacked him. It was 21-15, 21-16. Triborn and Came Shock took their medicine, flew back home, and they will be back on the road again in the Yermala Challenge. But Try and Came are at least in the main draw of Yermala, Trev and Theo back in the Challenge qualifiers. It is just a brutal grind 
of the next 12 months of this Olympic race. This system is, it's wild. I mean, there's so much turnover between qualification and main draw. And But Trevin Theo, I think, had a big weekend. I think anytime you make a main draw in Elite 16, whether or not you break pool, and they did not, they lost out on points. So it was Pedro and Guto who ended up moving on in that third spot. I still think it was a good weekend for Trevin Theo. We're going to take a quick break from the show, not just any break. This is the Waiakea Water Break. Now, Waiakea has been keeping us hydrated all year long, not just with any ordinary water. This is Hawaiian volcanic water. In all those bottles you saw, what's really cool is that they're made up of 100% post-consumer recycled ocean-bound plastic. So what that means is that each bottle helps remove the equivalent of five bottles from ocean-bound beaches, waterways, and cities. So they're not just keeping us hydrated. They're helping out the environment, too. And try, that's not the only cool thing they're doing. That's right. They're giving back to those in Hawaii through the Kokua Initiative, which supports the local food banks and the nonprofits out there. Another really cool thing is that they make coffee. I'm a big coffee fan, so I'm excited to drink this product. And for every pound of coffee purchased, Waikia donates a book to a child through its literacy program. So use promo code SANCAST online at waikia.com to receive 20% off your order. You can also pick some up at 7-Eleven. Live healthy, live sustainably, live ethically, live aloha at waiakea.com. This podcast is also brought to you by AG1. That's right. It is the absolute best nutritional supplement on, on the planet. No question about it. Try and I, we push our immune systems to the absolute limit. Try's traveling all over the place. I have a newborn, so I'm not sleeping, and yet... We're both always healthy, and that's honestly because we start our days with AG1 every single day. It's the first thing I do. I make my morning coffee. I put a scoop of AG1 right into a little mixture, throw some creatine in there as well, drink that first thing in the morning, and my immune system is off the charts. I've been healthy ever since we started using this, which is about two years that we've been sponsored by AG1. I started drinking it because I knew when I was on the road, I needed to get my veggies in. AG1 is the absolute perfect supplement for that. It is a a daily habit. I drink it literally every single day. Try does too. We've got a little travel package that we bring on the road with us. It is the Number one supplement for nutrition. All great athletes have one thing in common. They take care of their bodies, and a huge part of that starts with optimizing whole body health. And that's exactly what we do. It has 75 high-quality ingredients that give me the key daily nutrition and support energy, focus, strength, clarity, you name it. I write with it. I podcast with it. I commentate with a lot more clarity because of it. And yes, I stay healthy on the court because of it. Now, if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packets with your first purchase. So go to drinkag1.com slash sandcast. I'll say that one more time. That is drinkag1.com slash sandcast to get your deal today. So check it out. It's honestly... The best supplement I've ever tried, and I've tried an awful lot. AG1 is the only way to go. This podcast is also brought to you by Wilson Volleyball, the greatest volleyball on the planet. 
There's no doubt about it. I know there's a, a couple different manufacturers out there, but Wilson is number one. The NCAA uses it because they know Wilson makes the best product. The AVP uses it because they know Wilson makes the best product. We love it here in the United States. We love it on the AVP tour, and we're seeing it infiltrate a bunch of domestic tours all over the world. You know why? Because Wilson makes the absolute best ball in the world. It's great. It's weatherproof. you got the optics, spin technology, so you can be passing jump serves as well as Tri does. I'd say I do, but I don't pass jump serves as well as Tri does. He's been winning tournaments because he's been training with Wilsons, and it's time to get your restock middle of the summer. Summer's just getting started here in the U.S., and so the beaches are going to be open. There's volleyball to be played, and it is to be played with a Wilson volleyball. So put in an order using our discount code SANDCAST-20. All right, that's Sandcast-20. That'll get you 20% off all Wilson orders. That's huge. So get your volleyballs, get your ball carts, get your ball bags, get all of your Wilson equipment today using Sandcast-20 at Wilson Volleyball. Now, for the women, Therese Cannon and Sarah Sponsel, big Silver medal, I mentioned that it had been 13 straight Elite 16 to World Champs that the men had not won a, a medal in Elite 16. As for the American women, it's now three straight events, three straight Elite 16 events that we have had a team in the finals. And speaking even more to that depth, it's been a different team every time. It was Kelly Chang and Sarah Hughes, then it was Kristen Nuss and Taryn Cloth. And now it is Therese Cannon and Sarah Sponsel coming out of the qualifier. They were the sixth seed in the qualifier, won two matches in a combined hour. They just swept their way straight through, ended up winning pool in kind of a weird mathematical victory over Anna Patricia and Duda. They both went two and one in pool play. And despite losing the head-to-head to Anna Patricia and Duda, it still comes down to points where Sponsel and Therese ended up getting that edge on points. Got to buy straight into the quarterfinals. Made quick work of Joanna Mater and Anouk Verger Dupre, 21-16, 21-14. Went into the semifinals where they met, guess who? Another qualifier team, Melissa Humana Paredes. I try to add as many R's to her name as possible, both on the commentary and at the elites and at the road to Paris. They beat Melissa Humana Paredes and Brandy Wilkerson in three. Their second straight time beating the Canadians. They beat them in the Huntington Beach quarterfinals, ended up making a third in Huntington Beach, and then in the finals had a very well-played match against Duda and Anna Patricia. Won the first set, ended up losing in three. Big, big silver medal for Sponsel and Therese. They jumped up into number five in the Olympic race. So now the U.S. has the number one, number two, and number five team in the Olympic race. Number three is Duda and Anna Patricia. Number four is Australia's Taliku Clancy and Maria Faye Artacho. So they are staying on the road. They're going to be back in Yermala, and then they will stay on the road through Stad. So it's a big Euro road trip for Sponsel and Therese, and what a heck of a start it is. That silver medal is massive, especially since Kelly Chang and Sarah Hughes and Kristen Nuss and Taryn Cloth both finished fifth, which are not bad finishes, but with how deep our American women's side is, that 600 points I mentioned that should be the kind of average finish for the men that'll get you in, I think that that is going to be a higher bar for our women just because it's it's so deep. We have one, two, and five. It's remarkable depth from the Americans. Now, as for Mel and Brandy, that is their first international podium as a team. They have been a bit quiet on the Volleyball World Beach Pro Tour thus far this year. That's just their third event, their first podium. 
that's coming off. They've had a kind of a good but strange year. They won AVP Miami. It was Brandy's first AVP win. Big congrats to her. But then they took a fifth in New Orleans. They took a fifth in Huntington. They took a couple fifths in Elite 16s. And now they finally got on the podium, and they looked phenomenal. Brandy led the tournament in Aces. No, it was Mel who led the tournament in Aces with 15. Therese Cannon had 14. Italian Valentina Guitardi, she also had 14. Brandy led the tournament in blocks with 28. Taryn Cloth had 26, and Therese had 24. So it's always a good thing when you have two American teams as two and three in blocks. But when you have your blocker leading the tournament in blocks and you have your defender leading the tournament in Aces, in my mind, Mel and Brandy are the number one defensive team in the world and they have the stats to prove it and they're just getting better and better and better with every tournament so they should be out of the qualifiers from here on out in elite 16s i think that that is where they will stay kind of a it was a logistical error from melon brandy and, and the canadian federation that they didn't play in the elite 16 in uberlandia and so that little gaffe has been shored up and now they're moving forward they'll be out of the qualifiers and i think that they will in due time become a top five team in the world Our last story for the American, not just the American women, but women in general, uh, is kind of our North American report. Betsy Flint and Julia Scholes finally got that Elite 16 win. They broke pool, ended up taking a ninth, however. So it's a good finish. It's an improvement, but it's not where they want or need to be. So they're probably, entry points-wise, going to slip back into the qualifiers. And so they're going to have to figure out. They're, they're playing great in the United States. Their AVP finishes are fantastic. Still looking for those big finishes on the road. So they're going to have to find a way to, to get back on the podium, get back into that fight. Because right now, the biggest race that I'm keeping my eye on is that fourth spot for world championships for the American women. Number one, two, and three, I think, are pretty sealed up. Kelly Chang, Sarah Hughes, Kristen Nuss, Taryn Cloth, and now Therese Cannon and Sarah Sponsel. I think those three spots for world champs are pretty much shored up. That fourth spot is between Betsy and Julia, Savvy Simo and Tony Rodriguez, who fell in the second round of the qualifier, and Emily Stockman and Megan Kraft, who fell in the first round of the qualifier. Now, it could potentially come down to the Norseka World Championship Qualification Tournament. That is happening this weekend in Punta Cana in the Dominican Republic. Andy Benish and Miles Pertain, they are going for the men. They likely won't use that bid. Even if they do get it, it could just trickle down to the next Norseka team. Kelly Kalinske and Haley Harward are going for the women, and they should they win their half of the tournament the way it works is they split the norseka federations into two pools and you have to finish in the top two of your side and so for the men side it is canada cuba and mexico those are the big three on one side of the pool and only two come out and so it'll be be between cuba Sam Schachter and Dan Deering of Canada and Miguel Sarabia and Juan Virgin of Mexico. If Juan and Miguel lose, they'll still get a wild card into world champs either way. So it's more the pressure is more on Cuba and Canada to come into that top two spot. The other side is the U.S., Nicaragua, and Guatemala, really the only three competitive teams. So Andy Miles should win that, no problem. Don't know exactly how the pools break down for the women, but if Kelly and Haley, if they win that and no other and we don't have four American women's teams 
qualify via points. That spot will then go to Kelly and Haley. They will get into world champs. So that would be a big one for them. I don't think it'll trickle down to the Norseika bid for the American women. I think it'll be between that points race. And with the way that Stockman and Kraft are playing overseas, they've had a lot of, of trouble so far. They lost in the first round. They're 0-3 now in Elite 16 qualifiers. So they're, they are now being back into the challenge route they're going to have to find a way to to qualify for main draws and do it fast because world champs the last qualification tournament to get into world champs is the hamburg elite 16 that conflicts with manhattan beach and so that will be a very very important tournament i wouldn't say typically this is where we do a, a struggle bus uh segment i don't know if anybody's really on the struggle bus at the moment, just because we've only had one event in the last month. George and Andre are probably as close as it gets. They're 0-2 now in Elite 16 qualifiers. I already touched on Stockman and Kraft. They're 0-3 in Elite 16 qualifiers. The Chase Budinger and Miles Evans, not really struggle bus either, but they lost quick in the qualifier to Evandro and Arthur. They dropped out of Stad, and so I'm not sure what their goals are in terms of international play, if they're going for the Olympics or if they're going for world champs or if they're just playing the events that aren't conflicting with AVPs, but they're going to play AVP Hermosa instead of going to Stad. Not sure what Try and Kame are going to do. Not sure what Trev and Theo are going to do. They're both signed up for both, so we're going to see what happens there. Uh, the last aspect of North American Report is Sarah Pavin. So her and Sophie Bukovic, if you listen to our podcast with her, they split up. Sarah Pavin is now playing with young Molly McBain. She was a standout at Florida State. I think she has an excellent game, product of the NCAA pipeline, had obviously great coaching in Brooke Niles, Nick Lucena, and Jason Lockhead. Now Molly McBain and Sarah Pavin, I don't know if it's a a long-term partnership or if it is just kind of a a couple test events, but they are signed up for the Yermala Challenge. They are currently the number six seed in the qualifier. So Sarah Pavin is back on the world tour. I don't know what direction Sophie Bukovic is going. Uh, so we time will tell as far as that goes. That is it for the recap for Ostrava. Next upcoming is that world championship Norseka qualifier that is this weekend in the Dominican Republic. The weekend after that is the Yermala Challenge. So I will do another Road to Paris after that Norseka, and after Yermala, I'll do a combined episode after that. So June is a big month. We get two Road to Parises in June. Always fun hanging out with you guys on the Road to Paris. I feel like it's been a long time since we did a Road to Paris. I missed hanging out with you guys. Just chatting Olympic, beach volleyball. So I'll catch you in a couple weeks after Yermala. Shoots. <laughs>